We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in OBR Film Breakdown listeners, this is your Tuesday, March 28th episode. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to have a bit of a different approach to today's episode. Unfortunately, we had a couple guests who couldn't make it, um, so we are going to play in a little bit a replay of the OBR Unleashed. If you're if you're craving some more Browns talk, that's Andrew Spade and Mike Keefe. Uh, just stick around for that if you would like to continue to hear more. I will say, before we get to that, uh, and the reason I want to kind of do this as an open uh, I think that owners' meetings give us a chance to hear from coaches and GMs and owners in, in a way that we don't normally hear from them. So anytime they talk, I like to bring those to, to a point for you because maybe you don't listen to them or pay attention closely. They do provide some nuggets here and there. But Kevin Stefanski spent some time with the media. He was uh, opening with uh, some conversation about how close games are in the NFL and that margin for error that the Browns are trying to make up for this offseason to get everything right. So those coin flip games you hear me reference all the time, they want to get on the right side of those this year, as you would expect, right? Uh, and they're trying to find the margins. So he said, we talk about that as a league, how close games are, Stefanski said Monday uh, at the annual meetings. The margin of victory, I think, was the closest it's been in a long, long time, so I don't know what the number is. You've heard 24 points per game kind of thrown around in that vein, 24, 25, 26, he's talking about for the offense. But whatever it is, it's whatever it takes on that given week, uh, is what Stefanski noted. But this is obviously a question about trying to get more points on the board. He said he he does think with the way the rules are written, the way some of these offenses are, it's probably fair to say that you're in that 24-point range. So you got to get there pretty much every week to win in the NFL. I think that's a fair way to look at it. The next thing is pretty important, which was you know how Deshaun Watson would play uh, last year compared to this year. You heard Watson in the offseason here talk about kind of desiring a little bit more control over the offense pre-snap to post. Stefanski's center is usually a guy making a lot of those line calls, identifying the mic, doing some different calls on run game stuff. I think we'll see a shift this year. And Stefanski talked about that. He would, he said, uh, end quote, I would say he's going to be way more comfortable this year. It was a new offense. It was a new verbiage, those types of things. Year two now for him, he'll be more comfortable. I think it's a big, I think the big piece is getting comfortable with your teammates. There's no substitution for reps. No substitution for practice reps or game reps. So I think 
All of those are valuable. He said, I do think the time away, there are certain things that are challenging to replicate. Certainly pass rush is hard to replicate in a practice, which I've said many times. Even in practice where you're supposed to get your closest game reps, nobody comes near the quarterback. So that's hard to emulate. You can do all the route stuff on air you want. You can do all the reps. But until someone's trying to rip your face off and you're throwing into it, that, that's the only experience that helps. The experience is the only thing that helps, put it that way, in-game. So Stefanski said, you do your best, but you, didn't, you don't want to hit the quarterback either at practice. So I do think there's something that he'll, um, you know, he'll get and get more comfortable with the games last season. He said he thought he got more comfortable. I think we'll be more comfortable going forward. I think our focus, as you can imagine, every week, every year, every day, we walk in, put ourselves in a position to succeed. Excited about the offense. Uh, excited about Deshaun. Obviously getting some work in now with our guys. He'll be back in April to start that program. But I do think overall we're just excited about the opportunity we have. And then obviously noted that this year they'll feel a lot more comfortable with Deshaun doing different things at the line of scrimmage. You know, he talks about how uh, Deshaun did some things at the line of scrimmage last year, had some autonomy, but this year what I'll be paying close attention to and what Stefanski's enlightening is that he'll have more control. So is he going to be identifying the mic? Is he going to be calling protection movement? And is he going to be given the ability as a second arm of, um, you know, the play calling engine here, is he going to be given that ability to fully check out of a play for something else? That would be a first because with Mayfield, Brissett, and the half we got to Deshaun last year, we did not see that. Now, we did see some two-play call adjustments. I've talked about this a lot, but that's different than taking one concept design and completely changing it at the line of scrimmage. So that's what I would like to see. And it was nice to hear Stefanski say that they were going to move in that direction a little bit more. And um, that's something, like I said, if you listen to this podcast, you know how much I care about that stuff. I'll be paying very close attention to it when the year gets here. He talked about Elijah Moore as well. He said, I don't think he's just a slot. I know a lot of players that are his size kind of get, okay, he must be a slot type of label. He's won plenty on the outside as well. He's the type of player you want to get the ball in his hands, and if you think you go back to his college tape and look at that, there's a lot of downfield throws as well. Does that sound similar? A lot of the stuff I've said following my film study, it's pretty obvious to see. He can win in and out, and I expect him to play plenty of outside reps too. There's opportunity. There's opportunities to hand him the ball, throw it over the middle to him, throw it to him on the outside. I think there's no shortage of ways to get him the football. So again, great quote about Elijah Moore, exactly what you want to hear. He had some good things to say about Josh Dobbs and Anthony Walker too, two big additions in the veteran realm here. He said, I think the world of Josh Dobbs, the person and the player, Stefanski noted, he got an opportunity to play some meaningful football games last season, which I think was good for him. But Dobbs, he's a favorite of our building. I mean, he's beloved in that building. I think everybody saw what he can do in our system or just in game settings. He's a playmaker, so we were really thrilled to get him back. And then the person just fit the room between Deshaun, Josh, Kellen, I mean, those are really solid people uh, that we're excited about. So, uh, again, Josh Dobbs, they let him go to get meaningful games in, as I said. Lastly, Anthony Walker, because this was a big bring back. We'll see. We still haven't seen what the money is, but a big get back here. He said, I love the guy. Stefanski said, love everything about him. Love what he brings to our team. He was, he was playing really good football before he was injured last season, unfortunately. But he's a good football player. He's an awesome in the locker room. He's a son of a coach. When he's done playing 10 years from now, I'm going to try to convince him to coach. He's just rock solid. So great stuff there. You know, uh, with all things that we've said here at the OBR about about uh, Anthony Walker, but it's always good to hear those things echoed. And the same for Josh Dobbs. And then lastly, some things on OTAs. I know you guys care about this a lot, but with the addition of the Hall of Fame game this year, the preseason schedule of the Browns are bumped up. So they'll uh, actually open up camp a week early. Uh, training camp will be one week earlier in July. They'll be pivoting their organized team activity schedule, um, bumping that up as well. So the Browns will end their OTAs a week earlier, 
which will conclude the off-season camp the week of June 5th instead of June 12th. So that'll be even earlier. Then we have to go June 5th to when they arrive for camp, which is a really, really boring period of time. Uh, two, three months of nothing. Uh, as you know, that's the oasis of the football uh, schedule. Uh, so he said the adjustment ensures the Browns will stuff five weeks between the end of the off-season program and the training camp giving players one final opportunity to rest and recharge the batteries before the grind begins. And that's the highlight of what Kevin Stefanski said at the owners' meetings. Keep your prize to more. Like I said, sorry there is no guest today. Uh, we will get uh, one. Actually, we're going to be doing dueling mock drafts, so that will be your show tomorrow, which will be fun. We get Corey Kennan for that. So we'll talk through a bunch of draft targets at the Browns' upcoming picks, and then we should get some time with Jared Mueller the day after that. So, all around, going to have some good episodes going forward for you to finish out the month of March and put us into full-on draft prep mode going into April. I can't believe we're here, man. Just uh, really one month away from the draft at this point. The draft starts April 27th, I believe. So, yeah, man, we're, we're getting there. And that's where we're going to ramp up a lot of our attention and focus. Even though the Browns don't pick till 74, we're going to focus a ton on what they can do in the draft. Listen, uh, going over again to OBR Unscripted, Mike Keefe, Andrew Spade, enjoy that show. I'll check in with you guys tomorrow. Thanks for stopping by. Let's get over to that now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? It is Monday night here on the OBR Streaming Network, and that means it's time for OBR Uncensored. I am Michael Keefe. He is Andrew Spade, and it's time. So talk a little. Talk, Andrew, you're looking good today, man. I, I, you're taking me off guard. You look prepared. You look like. <laughs> You look well yeah. today. What's can I going just on? jump in quick, Mike? Um, yep, you said you OBR uncensored. Did I really? Yep. Unfaith. It's something every week with me. 
It really You is. guys got to just deal with me. The problem is, here's the real problem. I was putting my daughter to bed four minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So by the time I hit this seat, my brain is scrambled, and all I got are weird kids' books and Disney songs stuck okay. in my head. That's but you weren't you weren't like showing her like some sort of like stand up uncensored. That's not why that was. It wasn't no, like some sort of like Chris Rock live at the Apollo type. Not something you really have to be concerned about. Andy. Okay, I, I mean I'm just, just double checking. Uh, as Fumble was telling me on, uh, you shouldn't have let me know that that was you, Fumble. Uh, as Fumble was telling me on Twitter, I can't read. Obviously, hey, it's unscripted. On Monday nights here on the OBR, unscripted, uncensored, yes, unwhatever, unwhatever. Subscribe. We've got subscriptions pouring in already. Commander of Awesome and Kevin Cycle, thank you both very much. Yeah, you guys are awesome here all the time. Commander of Cycle, one or Commander of Awesome. Jesus, oh, I don't know what's going on. Commander of Awesome, great name though, great name. Mm. Just awesome commander. I was trying to give you a compliment, Andrew. I was trying to give yeah, you a compliment. Thanks, Mike. I feel. You know what? I feel great. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. It's good to see you. You look good as well. I'm saying you got you got like the light going on. I don't know yeah. what the background is now. It's it's the same background, just zoomed out. Construction. Yeah. No. I mean, so no. I mean, I don't want to really talk about my background or why it's the way that it is. But <laughs> what I will say is that I now own a standing desk, and so I am. I'm not sitting. I'm standing. Oh, so that, okay. You got a little motion going on there. Got so a this, little movement. This is a little bit like when you're at the bar. And you know, you're your one buddy who has a lot of energy and you're like, you could just sit next to me. And he's just like kind of standing and leaning over you. That's I'm that guy. I'm looming. You're that guy. Bit. You're the leaner. You're the leaner. Yeah, I'm like looming over you. Yeah. At the yeah, don't worry. No, am I in your way? I'm just gonna grab a couple of beers. Right. Here. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out really to really smoke here in just a second. So I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah, just <a> quick <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's my vibe. I've I've been I've been uh at a bar with Andrew and uh he he sat down the whole time. So it was he wasn't that's true. that guy. Well he this- wasn't that guy. Different, different, different me, Mike, you know, different year. Things have changed. <laughs> Literally last year. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so listen, uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about here on uh, Unscripted. I, I, it's always hard for me now, like where we're at at this point in the offseason with things happening just week after week after week. It's hard for me to kind of remember what had happened last week at this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where, where were we? we at? The guys, everybody in the comments want to talk about. Yeah, they panelling. want to talk paneling. Yeah, they want to talk paneling. Well, and and listen, let's and, and let's shout you out kinds, you, just did, you just did a big remodel at your place. Sure as hell did. And so, like, you no you've kind of like elevated, even though it's not your background. You're you know, like I know the level that you're on, and so I'm not even trying to compete with with like backdrop wise, room rating wise. Like I'm, it's a forfeit. I just what happened to Pandora? I, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't think we want to talk about this. You got to be in the mood. You got to be in the mood. All right. I that's don't fair. think we want to talk about this. So, Andrew, refresh my memory. Refresh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get through this. I'm not going to be able to get through this without reading these damn comments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah look yeah. at, look at, we're actually doing this. We're actually. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> We're not we're not going into Breaking Bad, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. We're mm-hmm. not doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, remind me, man. Yep. Throw some reminders out there. What mm. what had been going on last week on Unscripted? What were we talking about? Well, I think you know, last week was we were really kind of coming off of that period where it felt like they were done. You know, they hadn't done much for a few days. The weekend had been pretty quiet. They had, you know, they had uh, 
I, I want to say that that uh, last weekend they had maybe re-signed somebody. I mean, I I just remember the vibe last week the was very much like if yeah if like if this is it if this is where they stop we're all going to be bummed. And then they went out and did a bunch of stuff last week that's like oh okay they they weren't done at all and they're they're still and and Andrew Barry said as much yesterday when he met the with, met with the media in uh, Phoenix for the owners meetings. Uh, you know, he said it, it slows down, but they're not, they don't feel like they're stopped. They haven't, they haven't finished, you know, they're going to keep looking for opportunities. So, you know, obviously the Elijah Moore trade was the big news of the past week, but you know, I think the Marquise Goodwin signing is probably a little underrated because of the Elijah Moore trade. Those are both good additions for where this wide receiver room was. Um, they brought back Anthony Walker, you know, which if any team is going to know where he's at physically, it's the Browns. Cause they've been with him, you know, over the past six months uh, or longer, you know, since the injury. Um, you know, so I think that's a significant move, them feeling like he will be ready to contribute this year. Uh, you know, and then I, you know, I think other than that, you know, I think there was a, there's an offensive reserve offensive lineman signing over the weekend. So it's been slow, but you know, the, the, the trade, I think really kind of changed some, some minds in terms of how happy people were with what the Browns have done so far. So I, I have an interesting thing that I saw on Twitter today, and I kind of want to dive into some of that stuff. Obviously, we got to talk a little bit. You and I haven't had the chance to talk about the revamped wide receiver room at all. Uh, We haven't had a chance to really hit on the fact that there's still rumors about the wide receiver room that are happening out there. And and now there's a battle happening uh, amongst uh, media members, which is always my favorite thing. Chaos. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I saw something going on today on Twitter. Uh, and I think actually some of our favorites here in our comments was involved or were involved with one of our, our local radio hosts, Anthony Lima here in Cleveland. Somebody made a comment to him on Twitter and the comment was, is Kobe Altman, right? The general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh-huh. The comment was, is Kobe Altman what we thought Andrew Barry was? Mm. And I thought, that's an interesting kind of kickoff conversation point. Mm. And I'd be interested to hear where people in the comments and what you think on that, Andrew, as far as we've got a big, this is a Browns contingent here. And so I don't know how much everybody follows the Cavs. I don't know how much everybody follows the Guardians and and the other sports, uh, but I know how much they follow the Browns. And with the lack of success on the field over the last couple of years, There's a lot of people that talk about, and I'm guilty of this, but I don't think it's a guilt thing. I'll give my opinion. But there's a lot of people that talk about Andrew Barry like he is really, really good at what he does. And he makes a lot of really good moves and he's got makes a lot of really smart moves. And somebody said, Is Kobe Altman that guy instead? And and is Andrew Barry not maybe the guy that people talk about him as? What what do you think of that whole conversation? Uh I don't know. I think cross car cross sport comparisons are always hard, you know. For sure. Um, uh, you know, I mean, and I, and I, to be honest, I don't follow the Cavs nearly to the same level that I do the guardians or the, or the Browns. So, you know, it's hard for me to really talk intelligently about what, you know, he has done or not done. I know that he deserves, I mean, they, I, I know that they just, you know, clinched their playoff spot and, you know, I think the, the Cavs franchise as a whole deserves a ton of credit for picking up where they were, you know, post, post second LeBron run and, and, you know, kind of getting to the spot that they are now and and spinning the resources that they had and the and the really tough position that they were put into into what they have now you know uh in terms of just the the talent that they've amassed um i you know but but in terms of like who's doing a better job and who's you know how do you compare those i i think 
I think the one thing that is true about sports generally is that, um, you know, everybody looks smarter when the team is winning. And um, we know as Browns fans uh, that, you know, I, I don't think that the Browns are bad, but they haven't won for two straight years. And right. so you, you, and I've, I have been at the forefront of saying this at a certain point, you stop getting the benefit of the doubt, right? So where Altman is right now is the team is on the way to the playoffs. They're playing, you know, I think for the most part, well, they have a proven, you know, scorer that can score with anybody in the league that which is what you need in the NBA to be successful. Right. So he now gets the benefit of the doubt, right? If they make, if, if the Cavs go into, into the summer and make some wild trade, say they get bounced in the second round and they make some wild trade in June uh, or July, fans will be likely to give him the benefit of the doubt because of where they are. Right. Right. Whereas I, I think Andrew Barry, what he's fighting a little bit this off season is the leash is shorter. People are not willing to say, Okay, uh, you know, well, you know, you traded for Elijah Moore. That has to be a good move. They're they're going to say, well, I would have preferred that you trade for DeAndre Hopkins, or I would have preferred you trade for Jerry Judy. So there's more second guessing because they're two years past their last playoff berth. If they go fourteen and three this year, all of a sudden the benefit of the doubt is back. And if next season he trades Nick Chubb, everybody's going to be like, well, you got to trust them. They were in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, you know, I, I only ask because it kind of started a firestorm. I know I saw Paul Spencer going back and forth all day long, I think, with Anthony Lima. Uh, and, and the well, first Paul thing doesn't have anything better to do. That's oh, for sure. That's and and I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for him to arrive here late yeah, yeah. and mad that he didn't see a link somewhere, even though I sent it to him. I direct <laughs> I that. message that dude a link. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, to go to your first point, cross-sport references, tough, right? Yeah. Uh, because you can make one big trade in the NBA – and bring in a guy like uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell. And yeah, you've already, you've got good bones here and you've right. made great. I mean, like the Jared Allen trades wild and you've made really good moves. And frankly, you made good moves to get the pieces to get Donovan Mitchell. So there's a lot of good there, but man, you bring in one player like Donovan Mitchell you're, and you have good bones around him. You're going to win immediately. Yeah. Like boom, you win. Boom. You have a good team. You went from, it took that one move to be, a didn't make the playoffs last year. We're just in the play in games to uh, you are a top four seed in the East. That's how basketball mm -hmm. works. Right. There's nothing you can do in football outside of swinging. Like, Hey, Kansas city, we'll give you a second rounder for Patrick Mahomes. There's nothing right. you can do in the sport of football that does that. There's yeah, nothing I mean, you can do. You can't do a one trade. Boom. Bring in a superstar. And all of a sudden you're, you bring in Deandre Hopkins. You still could go seven and 10 next year. Right. I, I I guess I would just say that the Watson trade is that swing. No doubt. And I, and I think that's, I think that's, it, it, there's so much that, you know, that's the stressful part about this whole off season, right? Yes. The yeah. stressful part is Watson. There's like, I feel like there's not really a lot that we can honestly evaluate from Watson last year because of circumstances to really say, this is what the guy's going to look like this year. And so, man, we're going to find out. We're going to find yep, out. Absolutely. And it's and 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 Andrew Barry's career is riding with Deshaun Watson. Yes. So, yes. yeah, I just thought it was an interesting conversation. And, and, and I thought it was a little harsh on Barry because I think there's so many more moves that have to get made in football. Sure. And so 
that's more opportunities to a hit home runs, which he has done on multiple occasions, right? Amari Cooper. That's all we got to talk about. Uh, there's more chances to hit home runs, but there's also more chances to uh, have something really get your hopes up and, and kind of fall flat. So Andrew, let's talk a little bit. We haven't talked about our new wide receivers here on unscripted. And I kind of want to get your take on this, right? Yep. So Elijah Moore, uh, uh, the, the Browns go out and trade for Elijah Moore. Um, uh, they, they trade their, uh, what, 40, what was it? 46, 42, 42. 42. Yeah. 42. Yep. And they get a third round pick back with Elijah Moore, uh, which, uh, we were all a big fan of getting the pick swap and getting the player. Yep. Uh, and then they bring in Marquise Goodwin, who has been a pretty solid player in the NFL, like not knock your socks off. So just initially where are your expectations for these guys? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's tough, right? Because that is tied into what we were just talking about, which is what the offense looks like overall. Um, so, you know, not, not to duck the question, but that, you know, expectations for Elijah Moore are tied to expectations for Deshaun Watson and frankly, uh, tied to expectations for Kevin Stefanski. So, um, in terms of like what role I think he will fill, you know, uh, our colleague, Jake Burns did a great. Uh, film room, you know, yeah. that, that discussed the extent to which uh, Moore is really not just like a, a slot guy, despite his diminutive stature. Um, he can absolutely play on the outside and, he, you know, he can win uh, on the outside. And there's plenty, plenty of clips of him doing that against uh, cornerbacks bigger than him and, and more physical than him. But but his suddenness allows him to win in those situations. And so I think he's I think he's probably better used outside. Um, so you know, it becomes a question of how they make those pieces fit. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting right now that the Browns have on both offense and defense, they have three really strong candidates to play outside, um, you know, between Moore, Cooper and DPJ, and then Newsom, Emerson and Ward. And they don't really have a true slot on either side. I mean, David Bell is on the offensive side for sure. I, I you know, he, he can play outside, but I think in the, in the NFL, he's going to live on the inside. But it's interesting that they're going to, you know, the slot is kind of going to be odd man out a little bit. Um, so ex expectations wise, in terms of what he brings to the offense, it's speed and the ability to win against man coverage, which is something that they have with Cooper. But you really need two of those guys now. You cannot just have one wide receiver that can beat man because they can you can double that guy defensively and then dare dpj to beat you and we all know what that looks like right he just doesn't have the ability to separate so it's always it's contested catch after contested contested catch after contested catch so now you have the ability with moore and cooper you know you can't double both of those guys so one of those guys should be able to win their one-on-one -on -one, and that that gives you a chance uh against man coverage which is what the browns have needed so and then so there's obviously the speed element down the field and obviously that's the marquise goodwin piece too both of those guys can win downfield um, and, and Deshaun Watson did not get a chance to throw the ball deep enough last year. It's one of the concerns with, with what that offense looked like is that they were not aggressive enough down the field. This, these, both of these moves make that easier for them to go get yards down the field, big plays, chunk plays, that sort of thing. And I, I think it also is what we were talking about when it comes to suddenness and when it comes to, when it comes to guys that don't, you know, down the field plays don't necessarily have to just be bombs down the field. Down the field yep, plays can sure. be quick hitter passes that guys can take down yep. the field, right? Absolutely. And that, to me, that's the biggest area that the Browns have been lacking is just that guy that you can hit on a on a seven yard route and just whoa! If you don't make the right. if the defender doesn't make the play, he can go. That's what Elijah Moore is to me. Elijah Moore is. I love that Chad Ochocinco 
uh, jumped in on Twitter after the Browns traded for more and said, wow, the Browns have Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, two of the best route runners in football. You know, from a guy that was a great route runner himself, from a guy that was an elite wide receiver himself, I think that's pretty cool to see. Uh, but I also think, you know, I think it's I think it's fair to talk about it, like fair expectations for both of these guys, right? So yeah. like Elijah Moore, when you watch film on Elijah Moore, when you look at what Jake did in the breakdown, yeah. it's you're going to yeah. get really excited. Mm-hmm. You're going to get really excited because you're going to see a lot of plays that Elijah Moore succeeded on. What you're not going to see is times Elijah Moore wasn't out on the field. And you're not going to see maybe reasons for him not. And, and I'm not trying to like bring this whole thing down, but I also think like there's a reason that the Jets were like, all right, we're going to move on. We're going to, and you know, maybe just bringing in Aaron Rodgers as all of his old uh, weapons right. was their idea. But there were some reasons that Elijah Moore wasn't a top wide receiver on that team when they didn't, you know, Garrett Wilson was great last year. Corey Davis is fine. Like Elijah Moore should have been able to find plenty of minutes out there uh, playing. And so I think from that perspective, you've got to, you know, you've got to hope this dude is in here with the right mindset. Uh, he's coming into work because I think that all, uh, there's nothing about his talent level that, that scares me. I don't I, like, there's nothing about what he does on the field that scares me. He's not a ball dropper. He's not, he's not inconsistent. He's fast. He's a good right. He does all those things right. And yet he couldn't really find the field for the Jets. That is a little bit concerning. It's a little bit concerning. Well, uh, I mean, I think he played, you know, a fair amount considering his, you know, his age, uh, his first two years. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I think there were some games. I, I know that at least this season, there was at least one game where he was a healthy scratch because of the contract or trade stuff. Right. So, right. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, love making excuses you know for players based on the situation they were in but i do think that the situation in new york with zach wilson especially last year is about as bad of a quarterback situation as you can have so um you know oftentimes with these trades uh it's a it's a clean slate and so the opportunity is in front of him right he's going to be playing with a supremely talented quarterback in an offense that should give him plenty of opportunities given the other weapons around him. So, um, you know, I, I, your point's well taken Mike about like, he does not have a proven track record. Uh, you know, part of the, part of the obstacle for the Browns this off season is that that player at wide receiver was not available. You know, um, I, I think it's very interesting to think about the hypothetical of if the AJ Brown, uh, trade, you know, if, if, if AJ Brown was one year later in his career, yeah. would the Browns have, because they didn't have a first round pick to offer. Right. So that, that definitely hampers them, but that's the sort of player that they need. You know, uh, Devontae Adams and AJ Brown, a true undisputed guy. And, you know, Elijah Moore is not that he is absolutely a role player, but I think, you know, this is one where you're betting on his youth and his ability to fit this system better than the system he came from. And I would just add, you know, it also, because of his, his cost being so low, just a pick swap and, and a rookie contract, it does not foreclose any other options. Uh, I, I mentioned this on Jake's podcast the other night. It, you know, in the in the fantasy land where T. Higgins walks from Cincinnati and is available in free agency next year, the Browns could absolutely pay him like the number one wide receiver he is, move on from Amari Cooper, and then have T. Higgins and Elijah Moore for the next five or six years. That's a pretty good one, too, in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I, I, again, I, I'm just sitting here trying to, you know, 
they go out and sign Elijah Moore and they're like, well, they're probably he might be your number two wide receiver. Well, I mean, like, let's not put DPJ down. And I'm not the biggest DPJ fan uh, out there, but the guy has been wildly overproductive based on where they drafted him. Like Donovan Peoples-Jones should never be as productive as he is. And he is. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just think like throwing Elijah Moore, I think he's got all the potential in the world, but it, you've got to tap that potential. That's something the Jets weren't able to do. And that's, that's what I mean. Kevin sure, Stefanski no, I, yeah. and, Do, and, and Deshaun Watson have got to figure out a way to tap the potential of Elijah Moore. And he's a guy that should be super productive. It's the same thing with, with uh, Marquise Goodwin, right? They mm-hmm. signed him and everybody's, ah, oh, I don't know how much to expect out of Marquise Goodwin. Well, I, I think I think that's a different answer for the two players. For oh, sure. Oh, hundred percent. I'm just yeah. I'm just kind of yeah. talking about both of them separately, yeah. but also together. Right. I mean, I, I yeah, I think Marquise Goodwin to me the fit is like Taylor Gabriel was way back in the day with the Shanahan. Yeah, love offense. The, he's like the fourth guy, uh, but if you met, if if you lose him, you know that's on you, and he's walking one into the end zone, right? So I, I think that's his role. You know, to your point about more, I think it would be. I mean, I I understand what you're saying about expectations. I think it would be a disappointment given his pedigree and his talent, his draft position. He was 34th pick overall, which is you know, uh, uh, you know, that's really considered like a late first, early second in terms of value tier, right? Like 20 to 40 are all kind of the same guy in most drafts. Um, I I think it would be a disappointment if he's not their number two receiving option this year behind Cooper. I, I really do because. I, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been productive because there isn't really another person in that position in their offense. There is now. And I think more will do more with those opportunities you, than DPJ. I didn't mean to do that. You stop um, it. That I, I, he, I think he will. He will. I mean, to your point about like busting a play, getting loose, uh, you know, uh, uh, making the first guy miss. I mean, that none of that stuff is Donovan Peoples-Jones game. He is a. He, he gets what, you know, if he runs a 15-yard route, he's getting 14 yards. Well, and I didn't mean to I, – I guess I didn't really mean to go into the wide receiver too because I don't think that's actually really a thing. I think you're going to see Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Donovan Peoples-Jones out there. Oh, and for sure. It yeah. doesn't oh, matter who's one, yeah. who's two, right. or who's three. I, I mean in production. Really he, he should be second in both targets and production only to Cooper. I think that's fair. Uh, I, Goodwin – I can't remember who said it. It was somebody in our Slack channel, though, and they, they said just like – if Marquise Goodwin could give you like 350, 400, 450 yards on the season, maybe cut, catch a couple of those loose, like you were talking about, Travis Benjamin-style touchdowns, exactly. right? Just yep. like he's – I don't know why Travis Benjamin's alone right. 50 yards down the field, but there he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just – but think about the way that room looks now versus what we were thinking about. Exactly. Right? Think exactly. about Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones – Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, David Bell, and that's your five. That is your five. Yeah. Versus what we were looking at last week here on Unscripted, right? Exactly. Where we were yeah. talking about, well, you know, we still got to be talking about Anthony Schwartz and like, uh, and I like Mike Woods. I hope Mike Woods is able to stick around or be a practice squad guy because I think he's got potential. But like, we're not thinking about those guys anymore. No, that's right. And it, and it's it's about where they are as a team, right? I mean, you know. Um, they're not in a position where you can find out who Mike Woods is by giving him uh, 60% of the wide receiver snaps. This no. season. Like it just, it just, it can't happen. Right. And, right. and like you said, I like the, I like the kid, it, you know, if he shows something in camp and, and the preseason, 
maybe he sticks at the bottom of the roster and can get in occasionally. And maybe DPJ, you know, there's, there's a game he misses with a hammy and all of a sudden, you know, there's a path. There's always a path for these guys. If you're talented, the NFL is going to find you, but um, he's got to earn it from somebody else, not be given it. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing here, right? Is that last year, David Bell was their starting slot receiver because they didn't have anybody else to play that position. Once Jakeem Grant got hurt, that was it. It was just like, okay, well, Congrats, Dave. You know, you, right? You exactly. Because you were on the roster, and they can't <laughs> well, afford to you do did that it. Anymore. You existed. Yeah, right. Exactly. They can't afford to do that this year. I like this. Hold position. on. I want to. I want to get to this comment from Cap Casualty, who said, "I hope we keep Anthony Schwartz. Shoot me." I, I'm going to start I don't with disagree. this. I don't I'm not going to shoot you. No. I wouldn't mind if Schwartz was the sixth wide receiver they kept. Right. I, I think again. He hasn't done anything major, but I think he has shown in those flashes that, like, if he just needs to come in because another guy needs to come off and you need to run a jet sweep or something, you can get the ball to Anthony Schwartz and he can make some things happen. The the message from the front office to Anthony Schwartz should be, there's no pressure, bud. Like, yes. you have this entire offseason. We do not need you this year. No offense. We're good. So work on your craft because you have you have another year next year to you know you have this this year is your opportunity to prove to us that you should stick around and then and then we can have this conversation down the road but obviously a big part of his problem last year was that they said hey we need you and he said i i would rather not i i a hundred percent am with you cap casualty i i don't expect anything out of him but i've seen enough out there to make me feel like he could be like just an okay guy to throw out there every once in a while, especially if you need a lot of wide receivers or you're going to run some kind of trick play or something like that. I'd be all right with that. But again, we're talking about him as a sixth option where yeah. last year we went into the season talking about him as a third option. Right. That's the difference. That is the, the difference in the wide receiver room this year is that if Anthony Schwartz makes the team, it's exactly what Andrew just said. He's the sixth option. He's the last guy on the bench in the wide receiver room. And there's no pressure on him whatsoever. And right. so when he when he sees the field, which won't be a ton, but when he sees the field, do may, go out and do something. Right. No pressure on you, but go do something. And mm-hmm. I think I think that could again. He's a, he's a real young guy. I think that could get him into a position where maybe he builds a little confidence. I don't think that's not. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No. So it's I don't part part of developing these players is giving them the opportunity to develop without having to produce in the game. That is that's part of it. And good teams do both simultaneously. You develop players without playing them. And and that's hard because the best way to develop is by playing, but you also have to be able to get better by practicing. And so that's you know, that hasn't really happened for him. So I don't I don't have a ton of hope that this is gonna happen. But if he comes into training camp and has a good training camp in preseason, there's nothing that he's done that says that he needs to be cut, right? I mean you know, and I and I like I've been very negative about you know uh, Jacob Phillips, Jordan Elliott. The same thing's true for those guys, right? They are third oh, round sure. picks. They have the athletic ability to play in the NFL. Uh, if they if that switch exists and they can find it and switch it, I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. There's no preconceived bias against any of these guys. It's just they need to earn it, which means they there needs to be competition for their job, and that's what the Browns seem like they are adding this year is robust competition at every position. Yeah. I love it. All right. So uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get off the wide receivers, uh, the rumors are still out there. Yeah. The rumors are still out there that uh, no matter what Sean Payton says, because you know you can always trust what Sean Payton says yeah. in the media. Notoriously trustworthy. 
no matter what he says, there is a lot of smoke uh, still pouring out of the Jerry Judy situation involving the Cleveland Browns being aggressive, still looking at Jerry Judy, even though they've added uh, Goodwin and Elijah Moore. Uh, so what would that, Andrew, in your head, hmm. one, what's the pro there? What's the positive? And what's the motivation there uh, to bring in a guy like Jerry Judy? And two, what's it take to make it happen? Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, I will answer that question, but I just want to tell you that, first of all, I think that this was just uh, sloppy reporting by the reporter. OK, um, I really like when I read that article, it was an ESPN article. I think the reporter's name is Jeff Legwald. Um, he's writing it from the uh, Broncos perspective and is just talking about teams that could be interested. It says something about the Patriots and the Browns uh, were the two most interested teams or have been the two most interested teams in adding a wide receiver. And then just after that, it very much reads like something an editor added. The Browns did trade for Elijah Moore this week with no context, right? So Got it. I, I, my my feeling on reading the actual, what was actually written is that this guy was like, well, I got to put some names in this. I got to put some team names in this article. I need more than one. You can't just put one. So I'll, I'll you know, and the, and the Browns have been super aggressive, right? But but they, having said that, having said that, it, it's it's not just coming from that. And there are reporters, some that we talk to, that have brought up the fact that they are still in the mix there. No, I, I know, and I, I I'm not I'm not I'm just saying like that was really what kickstarted the whole thing. Correct. Uh, and I just wanted to point out that I think that some of this might just be the Browns were clearly very active and might still be, but, but certainly over before the Elijah Moore thing, we're very active. Joe Douglas said it today in his press availability in Phoenix, that the Browns were very aggressive in getting the Elijah Moore deal done. So they have been very aggressive at trying to fix the wide receiver position. So that goes two ways, right? One is that everybody knows they've been sniffing around, so they're going to get mentioned. So that explains why they're getting mentioned Two, It does also speak to the fact that they might still be interested. And so to you, to your question, I think the way that it works is that Jerry Judy would replace Donovan Peoples Jones. It's a it's a like for like, honestly, except he's better. <laughs> okay, so you would say, so it, like in the event, yeah, of, because I think there's two ways that I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. I could see if they if it's like a uh, they want a player they want to pick for Jerry Judy. I could see Donovan uh, Donovan Peoples Jones being yes. a part of that. But then I could also see it the other way, because again, the, the thought process was even before they signed Elijah Moore and all that, the, the thought process was, well, if the Browns do sign or, or trade for Jerry Judy, it probably signals that this would be Amari Cooper's last season with the Cleveland Browns and then he would move on. And so then the conversation started to flow. Well, if that's the case, right? do you keep Donovan Peoples-Jones on the team? And is Amari Cooper the guy you trade for uh, Jerry Judy? Yeah. And I don't love that at all, because even no. if it was just one more year, I want Amari Cooper on this team. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it does make a little sense. Well, um, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't disagree with that. I the Jerry Judy, his success in Denver came at the end of the season when they moved him to the X position. I'm not, you know, certainly not a film expert. I'm not trying to pretend to be one by using the wide receiver terms, but I, I know that Donovan Peoples-Jones plays X for the Browns. And I know that Jerry Judy succeeded in Denver when he was playing at X. 
which is typically the weak side of the formation who has the the one-on-one. So um, I think the natural fit would be him, you know, Judy replacing DPJ. But I, I, in terms of team building, you know, it makes more sense to move off of Cooper's contract because it's, it's heavier. The only thing I'll say is that they were in a position financially to extend uh, trade for and extend Jerry Judy before the Elijah Moore deal. Elijah Moore is making a million dollars. So that doesn't, that didn't change, right? So Correct. financially, they're still able to do exactly what they did before. Judy's cap hit for this year is absolutely affordable for the Browns. So they could do it. And and I think the, the reason to do it is that Jerry Judy is 23. Elijah Moore just turned 23, I think, today. So in, in one offseason, you've, you've not only upgraded the talent in your wide receiver room, but you've decreased the age significantly, but still brought in two players that are known quantities. And I, I think both of those players are on the upswing. I think their best football is ahead of them in both cases. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it, it's just not something I, I think I'm not sure I'm ready to close the door on it. Just again, it's not necessarily that original report. But then because yeah, again, you'll you'll see that original report. But then when you start hearing other people talking about sure, it and, and sure. people that we trust uh, yeah. start talking as if like, hey, this is not a this isn't shut. The door's not shut on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. It's really interesting. So uh, yeah. it would be interesting, and, and it could signal if you go if they went out and traded for uh, Jerry Judy, that could signal Amari Cooper being gone next year, and right. Donovan Peoples Jones being gone this year. Uh, yeah, and that could be a that could be a complete flip uh, mm-hmm. of the wide receiver room all in one offseason. Uh, yeah. So yeah, really interesting. It's just yeah, it's pretty wild the way that they've kind of attacked that after uh, you know. They swing that wild deal for Amari Cooper, but you know what the Browns' wide receiver situation has gone through over the past couple of years has been crazy. Yeah, it's, it's from... obvious that they see the need for more talent, and Jerry Judy is probably the most talented wide receiver, certainly the most talented young wide receiver available in the trade market. So them continue to be interested, and it makes sense if their goal is to add talent to that room because he's relatively affordable. The question would be the trade compensation, which is a whole other conversation. It really relies on the Broncos getting desperate the closer they get to the trade to the draft. And yeah. so that that's what would happen. And it kind of relies on Sean Payton being one of those guys that says, get him out of here. I don't like him, you know, um, which, no, he would. Yeah. If the Browns could benefit from that sort of a situation, that's when players are, <laughs> you know, are cheap. Right. I mean, it's kind of what happened with Elijah Moore, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. So listen, uh, we've caught up on last week. Uh, and, and gotten us, to, uh, you know, outside of, uh, I know they signed a depth guard. I don't remember what his name was. But, Wes Martin. Yep. He may or may not ever see anything with the Browns, but they signed a depth guard. Uh, but uh, I want to get into something that you did. And if you haven't checked this out, uh, go check out the OBR's website or check out the OBR's Twitter page and just scroll back to earlier today. Excuse me. Is uh, Andrew here wrote a, a pretty cool article that I that I uh, read through this afternoon, and uh, Andrew, I think you did an awesome job with this. It was basically thank you. It was basically kind of sorting out the narratives of Brown's free agency to this point, and so I I, I got some things I want to talk to you about with this. I want I want to run it. through it and kind of get I your thought it. process because yeah. I think it's good. I want to I want to see what you guys again. The comments you guys are awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, you guys have been great so far. So let me let us hear your thoughts on this. But I kind of want to just go through this article and talk about the narratives. And and you, in your mind, rank them like real or not real. I sure did. Here's the narrative. Here's what's real. Here's what's not real. I want to get some, some, some thoughts. So the first thing, you said not real 
the defense is transformed. Right? Yes. And so what you what you mean there is don't expect to see them just be the number one defense in the NFL. Like they're a completely transformed defense. All of a sudden, their problems have all gone away because of the signings they've made. And that's that. I mean, that's the gist of it, right? That, that's half of it. And the other half is, you know, if they'd hired Brian Flores, I think you would have seen more of a transformation because they would have had to bring in a different type of player to fit a pretty different scheme. Um, part part of it is just this, like the, the technical details of what Joe Woods and Jim Schwartz do are relatively similar, right? So the, the big change they had to make was they had to bring in a deep safety. That's Juan Thornhill. But they were playing John Johnson in that role last year. He wasn't good at it, but that's the role they were playing him in. So my, my point is really is that a lot of the changes on the defense have been like for like. Uh, you know, Okoronkwo is a replacement for Jadevian wow, Clowney. Um, Juan Thornhill is a replacement for John Johnson. Those are just – that's just – this guy's not good or doesn't like us anymore. Put him over here. Here's a new guy. That's that's all it is. It's not an upgrade. because I mean, it might be an upgrade in the sense that that player does that role better but it's not an upgrade in terms of adding overall talent. I don't know if I agree with you on that. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but I don't know if I agree with it. For example, I don't know if I agree with Okoronkwo, uh, uh, kind of a hungry young dude who has had to work hard for everything in his career so far. Going from a guy that, that, didn't get a lot of playing time early on in his career, really having to work his way onto the field to just having signed his big NFL contract and now feeling the pressure to prove it isn't a big upgrade over a Jadavion Clowney who basically Miles Garrett called a hostage and said, listen, we don't want hostages here. Then he didn't really want to be here. I'm not really buying. I know what you're saying. I understand the argument that they're like for like, but they're still, big, I think, in my opinion, big upgrades. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, I think Thornhill in a free safety position is a massive upgrade over John Johnson, a massive upgrade. Like I, 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 and it may not be through any fault. No, it's definitely through some fault of John Johnson's. I'm not even going to say that, but there may be fault elsewhere as well of being out of position and all that stuff. But Juan Thornhill in that position, in the right position is much better than what they were trying to do with John Johnson. So while I understand that you're saying they're just swapping guys out and they're not adding more talented players, I still think it's a massive upgrade. And I think it is like, for example, I think, I think just purely having Thornhill over John Johnson in the proper role, which is where he's going to be is transformative on the defense. Okay. I think that one move alone is transformative on the defense. Right. I, yeah, I think that's just overselling who Juan Thornhill is as a player and the relative importance of your safety to the overall functioning of your defense. Well, we saw it last year, Andrew. We saw we saw well, the overall but, uh, Yeah, my point is that some of those blown coverages were on guys that are still here. Denzel Ward, Grant mm-hmm. Delpit. It, it wasn't just Juan Thornhill blowing coverages. Correct. If but Denzel Ward have... decides not to show up again for an entire season, the Browns are still going to be rough in the secondary. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, I also think, you know, I, I I agree with what you say. If they brought in a defensive coordinator like Flores, yeah, uh, it would have been more transformative in, but more transformative in terms of just the style of play. Right. I but still think Jim Schwartz. I'm... I still think Jim Schwartz is going to be transformative in the way they play. Not maybe not the style. Maybe the style is going to look similar, 
But I think the way they play and the way it's taught and communicated to the players, that's something that Jim Schwartz has proven time and time again to be effective at. Yeah. And that's I, something I, that Joe Woods was terrible at. Right. I that's I, transformative. I, I well, okay. I, I I think that the the upgrades are more likely to be marginal than transformative. That's kind of my whole point. And I think, you know, at the end of that paragraph or that that section of the article, I also make the point that the biggest uh upgrades that the Browns could make would be the players that are already on the roster playing better. If Grant Delpit can play an entire season the way that he did at the end of last year, if Denzel Ward recovers Pro Bowl form, if Miles Garrett finally has the uh, defensive player of the year season that we all know he's got in there somewhere, if he stops hitting people on the head with helmets or wrecking Porsches, like those are the things that are tra- that will transform the defense. But if their best players don't exceed expectations they they're gonna stay because Juan Thornhill and Obo Onkarunkwo I think I got that right are not yep. are not uh gonna move the needle defensively in terms of like they're not difference makers they're they are role players within a defense there's nothing wrong with having those guys but they're not difference makers yeah I think you know I think that's very fair it's a, you know it, it's not like they brought in uh Troy Palomalu in his prime to play at safety or Ed right. Reed in his prime to play at safety yeah. it's not like they brought in it's, you know, right. The, a, so another the, Miles. It's not like they brought in, right. you know, JJ Watt in his prime to go next to Miles. Yeah, fully, a hundred percent agree. But I still think they did make massive upgrades. And 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 again, I think, I think Tomlinson on the interior is a massive upgrade to anything they had. And I know that you're still waiting on that spot next to him. But just putting him there is a massive upgrade. Uh, over it makes other guys' lives easier. And so, but I do love your point. I love the last point there which is other guys got to step up. And, it, you know, you called out guys like Denzel Ward and JOK, who, you know, outside of his injury, I think was playing all right last year. Uh, yep. But it's also other, you know, you, you're going to have to get one of these guys. You're going to have to get one of these guys that you're, you, you brought into this team for uh, uh, potential reasons. Perry on Winfrey's got to step up. Mm-hmm. You came in like a lion. You ran your mouth forever about what a dog you were and, and how you were. Okay, so come do it. Come do it. Somebody like that's got to step up. Somebody in that in that linebacking core has got to you know uh, has got to step up. Like yeah. uh, Taki Taki or something like that's got to step. Right. You know, it's it's those guys too. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think I mean I think adding those players and then a better communicative. Uh, or better communication style from the defensive coordinator. I don't know. I, to me, I call it transfer. I don't think it's marginal. I, th- I think it's, I think right now, I think I would expect the Browns defense to be much better than they were last year without any other moves. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's relative, right? Like I think they will be better than last year because last year's defense was really bad, but I still think they're probably, I, I think the best case scenario for the Browns defense would be like lurking around the top 12, like 12, 13, Ooh, something like that. that. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think that there's a way that they're a top 10 unit. And to me, you, to, when I say, when I say they didn't transform it, what I mean is it is not all of a sudden one of the better defenses in the league. I really don't think it is. That's fair. All right. Next real. Having said that, you think the run defense is improved? Yeah. I mean, people are talking about it in the chat. I mean, our, our, uh, our esteemed leader, uh, Barry McBride, uh, the run defense wasn't bad last year. It was epically bad. So and and you know his other comment dalvin tomlinson stops it from being epically bad that's that's the whole point right 
is that and he is he is very good as a run defender um and should be should be a difference maker there you you kind of mentioned already i'm I think a lot of us uh, fans and, and media members are kind of wondering what they do with that other defensive tackle spot. Time will tell. I mean, Andrew Barry was was unequivocal yesterday that they are not done. So I think that there's a good chance that there's another player to be signed there when the price is right. Um, but Tom, Tomlinson alone is 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 probably the most deep, talented defensive tackle they've had since certainly since Sheldon Richardson, possibly yeah. longer. That matters, right? That absolutely does matter just in terms of what the overall defense will be able to do. Uh, and I do think, you know, this is an area where Jim Schwartz, I think the scheme stuff does fix, you know, some of, some of what they were doing schematically against the run last year was, you know, I, I saw other, I'm not saying this as myself, but other people in the league were saying it was illogical. Didn't, you know, the way they were fitting the run didn't make sense often. So um, I think changing that is something that they've accomplished between, you know, Schwartz and Tomlinson. The question is like how how much better is it going to be, you know, because it is going to be better, but is it like middle of the road or is it still twenty four twenty five? Yeah, that you know, I, I don't know how much that matters in terms of the overall fortunes of the team, but it's it is. I think it's an open question how much it's improved, but it is improved. Well, and 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 again, when we're talking about that run game, we're talking about that up the middle, and and to be a linebacker on the Cleveland Browns. And to see a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson, and and I'm with you. Hopefully, one other guy next to him, and and then let some of these other guys we're talking about be De- Hurst and Winfrey be depth yeah, earn pieces. It. Earn it. Uh, if you're a linebacker, you've got to be thrilled. Uh, JOK was one of the best ranked players when it came to run stuffing uh, from the yep. linebacker possession position in the NFL last year. Yes, in the entire league, JOK, and that was with an injury. JOK was one of the one of the top rated run stuffing linebackers in the NFL, and that's with uh, offensive linemen just getting clear cracks at him all the time, mm-hmm. constant clear cracks, and he still was good. So now put a couple block eating uh, defensive tackles in front of him and watch what he can do in that run game. That that has me super excited for mm-hmm. what that guy can be. Uh, so yeah, I mean the run game just purely by adding guys that can eat up blocks is going to get better. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, that's where I'm really interested to see where a guy like Okoronkwo yep. can step in and play the run game. Because one thing, we, we can talk all, you know a little bit of trash about Jadavion Clowney, but Jadavion Clowney is a, is a good run defender. He's a good yeah. edge setter. It's the thing he's always done the best in his career. It's why he's yeah. always been kind of mislabeled right. in his career. And so you don't have that on that side anymore. And Miles Garrett's not exactly that guy in the run right. game. Uh, so it'll be really interesting uh, to see how the run game up the middle kind of helps if they, you know, if they're better defending the run up the middle, how that helps everybody else on the team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, that's one of the, the ways to go back to the previous point where I think Okoronkwo, you know, he adds, he certainly adds more pass rush juice and he's a younger player potentially more dynamic, but Jadevian Clowney was the first overall pick and is, is, is a true freak of nature physically, right? Six, five, yeah. 280, 290 pounds with his movement skills. So, you know, that matters in the run game, right? Having him anchoring uh, one side and, and I, I, you know, Garrett doesn't make a ton of splash plays against the run, but he is, he is, he is pretty good for a run defender considering you know, what he does on the edge uh, pressure wise. So I, I don't have any qualms about miles Garrett. I do think it's an open question, how many snaps they want 
Okoronkwo to play this year. And if they're planning on rotating him with Alex Wright, for example, uh, who is basically built like Jadevian Clowney, but does not play like Jadevian Clowney. So I think, you know, what they do there uh, rotation wise between those two players, or if they, that's another area they could add another piece, frankly, um, you know, somebody like a Carlos Dunlap or another veteran who has a bigger body and doesn't mind uh, getting his nose dirty a little bit in, in you know, on the strong side. Um, that's an area that they could continue to improve as well. And I think that's, yeah. I think that is the question, right? Cause that, the, you know, last year they depended on Garrett and Clowney for their run defense. Correct. That I was mean, it. The, 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 the proof <laughs> is in the pudding, but when they both missed to the Atlanta game, that was it. That was it. All right. I'm going to skip your next one. Uh, not yeah. because I don't think it was a good point, but just because I don't think anybody would argue this. Your next, your next point was you disagree. It's a, it's a bad narrative. Uh, anybody that says the Browns front office hasn't been aggressive enough. Well, it's out there after. Yeah, that's wrong. And I, don't know, I, I agree, but it's out there. That. Nobody's saying it's that. Who's there. saying that now? If you're saying that now, what are you talking about? People uh, on Twitter are still saying it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just what? don't go on Twitter, Mike. That's People play too much Madden, Andrew. People play too much Madden. Trust me. Trust me. You get done with your first Madden season, and you're like, well, you know what? I'm going to go. I think I got this figured out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hold on. Let me just uh, yeah. get a new left tackle, a new right. – uh, we'll just get a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. We'll get a whole new defensive backfield. Yep. You play too much Madden. Andrew's point is you're wrong if you think the Browns front office hasn't been aggressive enough. You might have been able to maybe after the first week, you might have been able to say, OK, have they done enough? But yeah. now, right. now, what more could you want? I, I mean, I know we want him to bring in another defensive tackle. I know we want edge uh, or depth on the edge. You can't do everything in one offseason. Rome well, wasn't built in a day, and I hate the cliches, but it's the truth. You can't. They definitely can afford to add two more defensive linemen. You can afford to add, but you've there. There's so many things that go into building a team. It's the right defensive lineman. It's the right guy. It's the guy. You know, we're all all of us are 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 spouting off name Matt Ioannidis. We all mm-hmm. want Matt Ioannidis. It's the guy that everybody wants. It's the guy that all Browns fans have circled. I'm good. Maybe you got some. Maybe there's something they don't know. Maybe there's. Yeah. We can all be screaming for this guy, and he could be like, oh, well, the guy's thinking about retiring the last we heard. Like, he could come out week two and be like, oh, this guy's this guy's career is over. You know what I mean? So, like, there's just so many factors that go into building a team that not every move makes sense. But there's no way you could say they haven't been aggressive enough. They've absolutely been aggressive enough. Yeah, I, I just wanted to include it because it, it speaks to, you know, there's always – the, the build-up to free agency is all about anticipation, and, and there are media outlets that feed that anticipation by just throwing out lists of names that the Browns have called on. And um, and then that, they write when they sign one of them. Oh, exactly, sorry. right, yes. And and it builds anticipation. Those, those articles do massive numbers because it's just all speculation. But then when it doesn't happen – it, it creates the false impression that the Browns didn't try. Right. And, and I, I right. you know, that that's all I'm trying to push back against a thousand percent. All right. Let's talk about the last two uh, real. Uh, and this, this show has flown by. I feel like we started six minutes ago and it's seven fifty one. We got nine minutes left. Uh, real special teams is an emphasis. You damn right. It is Andrew. <laughs> you damn right. It is from firing your special teams coach, which that was the thing we were worried about after they fired Joe Woods. And Mike Prefer was around for another, like, what, couple weeks? We were all like, oh, I guess we're doing this. I guess we're going back in with Prefer. Nope. They went and got, they went and got Bubba Ventrone, named him a, a, a associate head coach, and made him the special teams coordinator. Uh, uh, the guy that teams around the league consider to be 
like one of the next up and coming stars. You made him your special teams coordinator. And then it was clear from day one that they got, they brought Bubba in. Boom. We are going to address this. We're going to bring in guys that aren't going to be the most exciting names you've heard. We're going to bring in a cornerback from Atlanta. We're going to bring in a linebacker from Chicago. We're going to bring in these guys, but these are the guys that are going to make big differences that are going to be big time playmakers on our special teams units under our new special teams coach. It was, I think it's, I think it's really impressive, in my opinion, the way that they went out. And and I don't think a lot of teams make it as clear, I think, as the Browns did this offseason, that they're really focused on addressing special teams. Like, mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like you see it a ton. And they went out and were like, no, we are. This is special team city. We are bringing in a new coach and better players. And we're making sure what happened to us last year never happens again because you could it's i don't think some of the losses were directly related to special teams you know like the jets loss doesn't happen if you don't forget to play defense uh but if you recover an onside kick it also doesn't happen yeah and there was so a basically they went out there saying down our, in there too there's a fake punt. our special team is never going to play a part in costing us a game again and that's 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 kind of the mentality they had i think this was a great point arguably you know the level of investment now it's it's that the special team should be winning you games right they should be doing the stuff that got done to them last year in terms of you know switching field position in terms of uh fake punts finding a weakness in coverage and finding a way to sneak a fake punt on somebody when you're you know you you know they've i'm i'm off the top of my head trying to think who they go on the road to play this year you know say they're in baltimore in week five i mean even though the ravens are going to be starting tyler huntley at quarterback um, you know, but they, they, you know, they, they, they pull something out of their hat that changes the flow of the game. That's what good special teams does, right? Is it creates opportunities, uh, where opportunities didn't exist before. And the Browns have been on the wrong side of that for the past few years. The reason that I wanted to talk about it in this article is because it was the Super Bowl, and we were like, oh, I guess we're running it back with, with Preef and, uh, you know, probably the same cast of characters. Yeah. 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 And, and they changed course on that later because they saw an opportunity to, it's obvious to me in retrospect that they didn't expect Ventrone to be available. Cause what, what incoming head coach wouldn't want to retain that guy, but something didn't work out. You know, he was pissed. He didn't get a chance at the head coach job. Who knows? He became available. The Browns pounced and that's how you, you seize an opportunity. And then to pile onto that by adding, you know, Matthew Adams and Mike Ford, these, these special teams aces, you know, they get described on Twitter that way. That is proving that it's not just that they think changing the coordinator fixes it all. They're also upgrading the depth at those areas where, you know, previous years it was guys that, that couldn't get onto the field on their offense or defense. But these guys are on the roster specifically to be good at special teams. All right, let's go to the last two over the last five minutes. Uh, I've got an argument with you on the next one. Good, uh, great. Bring it on. You say <clears throat> false narrative, not a good narrative. The Cleveland Browns have a championship caliber roster. Mm-hmm. I'll let you talk about it. I just don't think that there's enough talent. I mean, I, I address it in the piece um, from the perspective that I, I think that there are still too many holes where or too many places on the roster where if they're down an injury or, uh, you know, that there's there's areas where if, um, you know, they somebody has a performance issue, they can't really replace them with somebody I, I they're They are doing better. Uh, you know, they, I, I, we talked about this earlier with the wide receiver room, they're driving competition there, but currently their third safety is DeAnthony Bell. Um, you know, currently their, uh, second defensive tackle. I mean, you know how that one goes, uh, I, you know, that they really do not have any defensive line edge depth behind 
uh, Okoronkwo and, and Garrett. I mean, Alex Wright was not ready to play last year. Um, so trusting him to play a ton of snaps this year, I don't love that. And there's nobody behind them. So um, there's there's depth issues in a lot of places. The only place that you really couldn't say that there's a depth issue is, is on the offensive line and I guess now potentially wide receiver. But even running back, they don't have anybody right now besides Nick Chubb. So here's what I'll say. Do I think, yeah, right. Kevin Cycle said it right here. Luck with injuries is a cornerstone of championship teams. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Do I think the Cleveland Browns, like, would I go out right now and put money down that the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl? Hell no. No, I've been around here too long. I've done this for too long in my life. Yep. Do, would I sit here and, and agree that there's no, like, the Cleveland Browns could not, this could not be a championship caliber roster? I don't agree with that. But I think there's so much that goes into it that we don't know. And that's that's the hard thing. I think Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the league. The Browns are a championship contender. We don't know if he's going to be. We don't know if he gets back to that form. He was that guy for a minute. He was that guy. He was a top five quarterback. He gets back to that. I think the Browns could be a championship team. They stay healthy. I think the Browns could be a championship team. They get those developments that we were talking about before. Like you said, Andrew, you bring up Alex Wright wasn't ready to play last year. Maybe he's more ready to play this year, though. And maybe that maybe. depth looks maybe that depth looks a little bit better. Maybe that depth looks a little bit better. So uh, for me, again, winning a championship isn't just about the roster that you put out there. Because if it was, the Browns would have won the championship a couple of years ago or whatever it was. Like it, it isn't about just the roster you put out there. It's about the roster you put out there, plus the coaching staff and their decisions. It's about the way things are communicated. It's about luck in games. The Browns had the worst luck in games ever last year. It's about luck. It's about being lucky and winning games. Teams will tell you that. Sometimes you just got to get lucky and win a game. And then it's about gelling and playing right at the right time. It happens every single year that there will be a team that's really good in the first part of the year, and they just kind of fall off. Maybe they make the playoffs and they get eliminated first or second round, and that's it. It's it, there's so many factors that go into winning a championship, and it's not just about who are these guys out there on the field and are they good enough. That certainly is a part of it, but there's a lot of things in there too. I think if the Browns are healthy, and I think if Deshaun Watson again for me the linchpin is Deshaun. And I think that should be the way it is for everybody. The linchpin is Deshaun. You've got the offensive weapons now. This team has the offensive weapons to be a thirty-plus point a game team if your quarterback is the right guy. I don't know that anybody can argue that at this point. They were putting up, they were putting up 26, 27, 28 points a game with Jacoby Brissett and not with Elijah Moore and not with Marquise Goodwin last year. So I think the offense is there. You've worked to, to improve the defense. You still have room to, to improve there. I think the Browns, I mean, I think things go right. The Browns could be a contender this year. I'm not putting yeah. money on this isn't me. This isn't me being like overly optimistic positive guy. Because, again, a couple injuries here or there, and things could look very different. Uh, Deshaun Watson, realizing that 700 days off just did him in, could be a whole different story. But I think there's a lot of stuff there that that points to them being a really good, competitive, potentially uh, uh, championship-caliber team. I wouldn't say that they're not. Yeah, I guess it's maybe it's semantics, Mike, but I, I, I really wanted to attack this from the perspective of talking about the roster specifically. So, I mean, all of your points are really well taken, and I do think that there's a world in which this Browns team gets hot and wins the Super Bowl. If, if Watson is playing as his best self, 
and they get into the playoffs, you know, win the AFC North as the third seed and, you know, they, they can, they can pull a, an upset in Kansas city. And I mean, absolutely. It's, it's in the, within the realm of possibility. I'm not saying that I'm saying if you look at what the Eagles did last year, they were two and three deep at almost every position on purpose because they didn't want those sorts of the sort of random chance that you're describing to be the thing that derailed their season. So they oh, built, sure. they built a roster that was good enough to survive inconsistency from young players or injuries to certain players. And, and that depth served them down the stretch in ways that they couldn't have foreseen at the beginning of the year. So that's all I'm talking about. I'm not saying that the Browns can't win a championship. I'm saying that when it comes to just stacking talent and part of this is because, and and I, I address it in that piece, that piece of the article the reason is because they don't have first round draft picks because they traded for Deshaun Watson. They don't have second round draft picks because they traded out of the second round. And then they just did it again to trade for Elijah Moore. So they are, they have, they have uh, missed on some guys in the third round and they have an underinvestment in draft picks because of the other players they've brought in. And now they have a salary cap issue because of how much money they're paying Deshaun Watson. What that means is that they cannot rely on the strength and depth of their roster to be the thing that brings them to the championship. They need the other factors that you discussed to do that because the roster itself, just the sheer amount of talent is not there. That's the point. Well, and listen, it's uh, to me, the, the, what we're talking about here was kind of the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles had far and away the deeper roster of the two mm-hmm. teams, far yep. and away, right? far and away. The Philadelphia Eagles were the deeper team of the two teams in the Super Bowl. But the other team won. I, the other yeah. team won a championship. So there's I, just so many things that go in. Totally. There, there's no part of my article that says that random chance is not part of football. Correct. I, 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 I agree with you 100%. Let's end on a positive because your last point in your article, uh, real narrative. If Kevin Stefan, I love this. I, we're going to let Andrew. I'm going to let Andrew. I'm just going to let you ride this one home, man. If Kevin Stefanski... And Deshaun Watson are at their best. If they're on their game, if they're doing everything right, they're clicking on the same page. You got Alex Van Pelton there helping out. Everybody's clicking on the same page. If all that happens, the Browns win the AFC North. That's right. It's that simple. Uh, uh, you know, I I think this these are they're meant to be complementary, right? These these two not true, true, right? So so I mean, Philly's saying it in the comments, right? The Chiefs are. The, the model for the Browns now, because the chiefs have the transcendent talent at quarterback and the coach that puts the transcendent talent at quarterback in a position to be his best self. If the Browns do that, they are absolutely capable with the talent on their roster of doing what the chiefs do year in and year out. There's no question in my mind, but the, the, the point that I make in, in saying this is that they haven't done it yet. So you can't just assume it's going to roll out. Right. I mean, the, the chiefs, have a track record of making the AFC championship game year after year after year. So you can kind of count on them to be there, right? So the Browns have a ton of work to do in both of these departments, the head coach play caller and the quarterback to prove that they're on that level. If they do it, the the rewards will be massive. If they don't, I think we all know where that leads. I said I was going to let that wrap it up, but I, now everybody in the comments is talking about the last thing that I want to talk about. And this hour just went by too far so fast. So no, we're, we're, just gonna, we're good. Let's roll. Let's we're going to sit and talk about this for the next couple of minutes. Then we'll be done with it. But let's we've talked a lot about the Browns, a lot about we've caught up on where they're at. Uh, we've caught up on on, you know, we, we're leading up. God, we're a month away from the draft now. 
hard to time flies but let's let's talk about the big news before we get out of here let's talk about more positives let's talk about more positives andrew but it's not maybe necessarily with the browns it's just for the browns how about lamar jackson making the twitter post today Mm. the the twitter post finally happened yeah lamar jackson came out and said on march 2nd he officially requested his trade from the baltimore ravens uh and it appears andrew it appears as though it appears as though maybe the ravens overplayed their hand a little bit and it doesn't quite look like things are uh repairable for lamar and the baltimore ravens so we got a lot of people asking in the comments andrew first of all your thoughts on the situation but where Where's Lamar? Where's Lamar going to be playing next year? You know, what's funny about this to me is that I, I mean, I understand why he did it and he timed it so well for it to come out just before John Harbaugh was answering questions in Phoenix, which is a brilliant move. And the sort of PR move that, you know, Lamar needs to be doing more of to kind of help himself in this situation. Uh, And obviously like one of the best parts about this as Browns fans is just watching the, you know, Ravens in disarray, right? Like let's go. It's the first time ever. It's just fun. It's it it does. It's like chicken soup, man. It just it it nourishes you in a way that you didn't know that you needed nourished. And, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I feel I feel as spry as a twenty year old. You know, I ran I ran eight miles before the show tonight. Just just no you look so good today. No just off. Looking. It's all Schadenfreude. All of this. It's all that's all it is. But but the the thing that I thought that that really is funny about this is that there's plenty of examples in the NFL in the last few years of a guy requesting a trade then ending back with that team like people are acting like this is some rubicon that he's crossed but like this happens all the time i mean elijah moore requested a trade before the trade deadline last fall didn't move you know he ended up moving this off season but you know this stuff happens all the time where i mean he he like he he has to to honor his contract he has to show up and play for the ravens this season that hasn't changed right so, like, he can not sign the tag and go down that road. But the way the NFL is structured, he is, like, he, the requirement of his contract is that he plays for the Ravens this year, as far as I understand it. So, I don't, I mean, I understand it from the perspective of, like, he's, now he's mad or whatever. But I don't see that this really changes things, especially because this trade request has been in since the 2nd of March, and it hasn't changed anything. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's a conversation to be had about how much has actually changed and how much this is about Lamar just turning up the heat on the guys that he doesn't want to play for anymore. Well, I think your point is well taken, but uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's just a little bit of a different boat to compare Elijah Moore making a trade. Oh, for sure. For sure. It is. I'm just like, saying he it wasn't happens. really contributing for the jets yeah. to your franchise quarterback on an MVP of this league saying, I want out. I think it's interesting. I, I, I you know, I, I think there could be a lot of reasons why nothing's happened yet. Uh, and it's we're going on a month since he requested the trade. But I love thinking of the scenarios going around, right? Totally. Uh, uh, look at some of these, you know, look at some of the teams he could be looking at right down the road. Washington, I know Washington just brought in Jacoby Brissett, but you know they would love to have a guy like Lamar Jackson. How about Atlanta? How about my favorite of the scenarios? Don't you think New York would be calling? Don't you think the New York Jets would be making a phone call? Because, listen, Aaron Rodgers is sweet, but like, Lamar Jackson? Yeah. In the prime of his career? Yeah. That would be, to me, that would be the greatest story in all of football is if Aaron Rodgers comes out, does the Pat McAfee show, I want to go to the New York Jets, 
I'm going to the Jets. They're going to trade for me. Everything's great. He's feeling good about it. He's going to go live in New York and play for the Jets. And then all of a sudden the Jets trade for Lamar Jackson. Inject that into my veins. That would be that would be a three-week-long ayahuasca bender in a cave somewhere in Peru that I don't know that we'd ever see Aaron Rodgers again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. With, I'm good with that. And if that, if yeah, if if Lamar getting traded to the Jets gets Rodgers out of the league, I would be. That's a trade I would make. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think uh, there's definitely. I, I would still say I said for a while that I think the odds are that he he ends up someplace else just because. I don't think the Ravens are super invested in keeping him around. I think that's obvious. If they were, I think they would have done what it takes to keep him or at least uh, use the exclusive tag. So obviously they're inviting some of this, um, which means that they're open to the possibility of him moving on. And if that's the case, then, you know, he obviously wants it. So it seems like they they will get there. You know, I think that the, um, the comment here that I wanted to highlight is the, the idea that, Nothing will happen until after the draft because then the teams are giving up next year's one and the year after rather than giving up a top 10 pick. So, for example, the Colts have four. They If they sign him before the draft, they're giving up the fourth overall pick. If they sign him after the draft, he plays for them an entire season. Maybe they're picking in the mid-20s next year. It's, it's, a, it's an immense amount of value save. So that Correct. makes a lot of sense to me logically. But then if you think about it from the Ravens' perspective, it really incentivizes them to try and get something done before the draft because if if they wait until June and then Jackson signs a tender with somebody else, where do the Ravens go turn for a quarterback? Are they really playing Tyler Huntley for a year? Which, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were comfortable with that, but it could be a very interesting season in Baltimore in that case. Let's talk about, real quickly, let's talk about some of the teams that everybody's throwing out in the comments, right? Sure. So Joe Mannix, right off the bat, hits the Detroit Lions, can trade two number ones and Jared Goff. My favorite comment that came after that is, look out, because Goff's scary on that RPO. (laughs) (laughs) Jared Goff would be dead. He's Uh, got some wiggle. But, you know, the, the the Lions are that team that the Browns, we all felt like the Browns were after 2020, right? Lions made the playoffs. All of a sudden... Dan Campbell feels like they got the right guy. It feels like the culture is finally in place in Detroit. And now they're just trying to build around it. Uh, How about Lamar Jackson in Detroit? Yeah. I mean, look, I hate to be this guy. The show's not called uncensored and the Lions didn't make the playoffs. Other than that, I agree with your point. Oh, they were right on it. Sure. That's fine. Uh, They basically did based on what they've done in the past. (laughs) Right, the playoffs are really more of a state of mind. They were definitely the sweetheart of the NFL last year. Sure, no, no. I mean they're a team on the rise, and I think that that makes the most sense in terms of a team that would go from middle of the pack in their division or in their division and also in the conference to. I, I think that you could make an argument that the Lions would be the favorites in the NFC if they traded for Lamar Jackson. That's a pretty big swing. So, uh, and they have the the ammunition because they have two two ones this year, so they could potentially. You know, maybe they trade back with one of those, pick up another one next year, and and avoid having to give up, you know, both of their first round picks next year. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just saying they have options, they have flexibility, and and you know, seeing you know the 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 long suffering fan base that I feel the most sympathy for as a Browns fan are the Lions for sure. So uh, seeing Lamar go to Detroit, leave the leave the conference, leave the division and the conference, and end up there, make people in Detroit happy. I, I'm on board for that. How about this one? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I, I think they've got to see what they've got in Kenny Pickett. I think that you got to give <laughs> Kenny Pickett at least five or six years to really 
get a sense. He's not one of these guys that's going to come definitely have to right give him away. that second contract for you sure. You want to be paid. Yeah. You at least you got to pick up that fifth year option for sure. <laughs> give me baby gloves. Give me baby gloves. Pick it a thousand percent. 2028 starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I hey, think he'll talk, be 45 years old. Then. Talk to Steelers fans. They would definitely rather have Pickett than Lamar Jackson. No doubt. I know. And that's no why doubt. they're the smartest fans in the, in the league. Could Bill Belichick coach Lamar Jackson? Would he would he be down to 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 try his hand at at bringing in Lamar Jackson to the Patriots? That would be really fun. It would be depressing because Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator, but it would be fun because I think <laughs> that the you know the the Patriots will have a good defense and and Lamar Jackson would certainly elevate their offense. So yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of teams on that you could list that I'd be like, no, I don't want to see Lamar Jackson play for them. I, it's not um, more I, like that. It's just more like I'm. I'm just interested to kind of hear your thoughts on it. No, I'm. I'm saying, yeah. I like. I think Lamar Jackson is a very good quarterback, and I think a lot of teams should be a lot more interested than they seem to be. But maybe they're doing a good job of keeping it secret. We got Carney Pickett. We got yep, Wilson go. Pickett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, last one uh, that I saw in the comments here. We talked about Atlanta a little bit, but we've been talking about that forever. Yeah. Uh, how about this one from Broken Arrow? Sure. Ooh, this one Absolutely. hits close to home a little bit. How about yeah. how about all of a sudden Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson being teammates in Tampa? Baker, Baker would be the first backup quarterback in the history of the league to demand a trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd he'd write like a three page letter and post it on his on his Twitter and be like, "This I was sold a bill of goods." <laughs> yeah, he's gonna do somebody's at somebody's podcast on a couch yeah, in yeah, Texas yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, get yep. traded to the USFL. Oh no! Oh no! Listen, I think it's interesting because it feels like there's more teams now that could still use a quarterback than it felt like maybe last year. Like totally. we got people talking about the Vikings. Could the Vikings be interested? Absolutely. Yeah, I Absolutely. bet they could put a trade together. The Commanders, the Falcons, the Bucks. The, there's a lot of teams that could be out there yep. looking at that. Yep. I, you also wonder, like, uh, well, they wouldn't do it with the first pick, but you, I, it makes you wonder, like. Could Carolina just like swerve everybody, figure out a deal in place with Lamar Jackson to to bring him in, and then use the number one pick on something else? That'd be interesting. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I doubt I mean, it because they had to give up things right. to get that number one pick, right? But... And they yeah, they traded their first next year, so they, the I think they would struggle to meet the meet the criteria. No, I mean, I think the thing that makes the most sense is. You know, he's a quarterback that would be helped by plugging him into a talented roster. So what's a team that has a talented roster but still cap space? I mean, that's why we're talking about Detroit or Atlanta. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100% agree. It's just, it's really interesting. And again, from a Browns perspective, I've said this forever. I've said it forever. I can hate the Steelers all I want. I don't really hate the Bengals. I I like to beat the Bengals. I don't like it when they're good and we're not. That pisses me off because they should never have nicer things than we do. Uh, Correct. But the team that I will always root against harder than any other team mm-hmm. is the is the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. They stole our team in my lifetime. I watched my team yes. get packed up and moved to where that stupid purple and black with the stupid bird with Art Modell's stupid face. And I will root against them forever. And I love seeing this. I mm-hmm. love seeing this going on there. I love seeing the turmoil. I love seeing the players yelling at each other on Twitter. I love seeing players arguing with each other. I love seeing Lamar saying, peace out, Baltimore. I'm leaving. I love all this. And frankly, from a from a from just a Browns perspective, 
I love not playing Lamar Jackson twice a year anymore. I love not playing Lamar Jackson twice a year because whatever your opinion of Lamar Jackson is, he is a son of a bitch to play. He is a, he is a son of a bitch to try to beat. Uh, And so I'm totally excited that that could be the end of that. And hopefully the downfall of the Baltimore Ravens for the foreseeable future. That would be a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing. I would love to see, give me Baltimore and Pittsburgh in quarterback purgatory for the next decade. Give me that. I deserve that as a Browns yes, fan. Absolutely. I deserve it. It it's worth like zooming out big picture here because we get caught up in the day-to-day of this, right? But the the big picture of this is that the Ravens lucked into a a league MVP franchise quarterback with the 32nd overall pick, right? I mean they they traded into position, but they 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 got their evaluation exactly right. And they and they ended up with a league MVP quarterback and Browns fans at the time and still who drafted a quarterback in that same draft were dumbstruck that somehow the Browns had the first pick and the Ravens traded into the first round at 32 and the Ravens ended up with a better quarterback. Well, the same uh, genius Baltimore Ravens that are always right and never get anything wrong and get uh, showered with praise every draft and every free agency period for being shrewder and smarter than every other team completely fucked up their relationship with their MVP quarterback. And they are absolutely reaping everything that they've sown. I love it. I love it. Great way to end. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Again, this could this could be a saga that plays out over the course of, of the entire spring, basically. Uh, so we will see what happens. But uh, love that it's happening somewhere that isn't here and somewhere that it never really seems to happen uh, right. down there in Baltimore. If you want to laugh your ass off, uh, go look at uh, Jake Burns shared this with us in our Slack. Uh, and I think he retweeted it as well. But there's the comedian from Baltimore, Stavros. Uh, I don't remember what his name, last name is, Hithlikas, or, you know, it's something very Greek. Greek. And one of my very favorite comedians out there uh, did a Baltimore Ravens fan reaction to the Lamar Jackson trade request. Go find that video. Do yourself a favor. As a Browns fan, go find that video on Twitter and watch it. It'll make your night. You'll watch it a hundred times. So uh, listen, Andrew. Our 7 to 8 o'clock show is now 8, 8.20, basically. But we had this show went by, I think, faster than anyone we've ever done. Uh, uh, awesome job. Awesome work. Everybody in the comments. Uh, this show is more fun because of you guys. This show 100%. is fun. Uh, Unscripted is fun. And that is the name of the show, Unscripted. Uh, That's right. Yep, figured it out. Uh, is fun because uh, we don't come, we really come into this with nothing. Uh, and we just talk, <laughs> literally, we come ready to talk about whatever's off the top of our heads. And you guys bring so much to that. So huge shout out to all of you guys. Uh, the, the number of comments, the stuff that was going on, wild. Absolutely yep. wild in the comments. You guys keep it up. Come with us every Monday as we do this stuff through the offseason, into the season, unscripted every Monday night. I do want to give a shout out to the other shows on the OBR streaming network because, again, four nights a week. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Dueling Mocks with Jake Burns. As we get ready, about a month away from the NFL draft, tune in to Dueling Mocks with Jake Burns tomorrow at 7, and then join us on the Garage Beers podcast tomorrow at 9 p.m. We've got Andy Baskin from Cleveland's 92.3 The Fan. We're going to do our Major League Baseball Cleveland Guardians kickoff show. Guardians baseball starts this week, everybody. I mean, I, I love talking about this. I love talking about the Browns. But Guardians baseball, the Cleveland Guardians, start Thursday in mm-hmm. Seattle Next Friday, opening day, we're going to have our big MLB season kickoff show tomorrow at 9 p.m. Wednesday night, OBR Weekly with Barry and Fred. 
And then Thursday, it's all eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. Always great shows going on all week long on the OBR Streaming Network. And the best information, the best articles, everything you could want on the OBR website as well, like the one we referenced here on the show from Andrew Spade tonight. So listen, thank you everybody for joining us. We'll see you next week for Unscripted. For Andrew, I am Mike. See you later. Go Browns, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.